today on the Building Men podcast, Finish the Race, part two of two with Joel Glotfelty. Joel Glotfelty is a fourth-year medical student, as well as the founder and CEO of FTR Apparel, a nonprofit apparel company designed to inspire hope and perseverance with their clothing. After suffering a traumatic brain injury in his first year of medical school in 2016, Joel uses his experience to help others currently in the grips of adversity. Joel's focus in life is to be the best husband, friend, and physician he can be while using his journey to make a generational impact on those around him. We pulled a clip from part one of the series where Joel explains what he is most proud of in his life. Bro, I read the whole Twilight series. Like, that's how, that's how bad it was. <laughs> were, you, were you like the, the vampire guy or did you like the werewolf better? Like, uh, who, who was your guy? Who was your... I was all about the werewolf guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, though, I mean, I, there's a lot of creepy things, I think, about the vampire guy. So I really kind of leaned into the werewolf. All right. <laughs> he looks better without a shirt on. So I know. There's yeah. no way to make it, like, masculine or anything. <laughs> just the fact, I know. Like, I was the werewolf guy. Yeah. Uh, we got to figure out his name, too. I got to. Oh, man. I know his name. Oh, yeah. His we're name. asking. We're Taylor. The Tyler. Taylor Lawner is his real name. And Jacob Black was his name in the books. I know this because I read them all. All right, Joel. We get it. You read the books. Welcome to the Building Men Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Meralda. Hello and welcome back to the Building Men Podcast. Building men become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We are going into part two of our interview with Joel Glotbelty. I want to make sure I'm saying that yeah, yeah, correct. It's not, it doesn't flow off the tongue, Joel. It's not like a... <laughs> You know, it doesn't have that like smooth transition off the tongue, but you know, it's that's it's it's a strong. So where's Glotfelty? What is that? What's your nationality? It's uh, you know, it's a thing that I don't know very well, because um, I was homeschooled and I feel like my mom didn't teach us about that. But uh, like I don't know anything about the rest of the world. I'm trying to you know educate <laughs> myself. Uh, but I believe that we are, you know, we have a, a solid Swiss background. Um, there's some Dutch, which I don't really know what that means to be honest. I think it's just like a. European white guy. Yeah. It yeah. can be Dutch. Uh, so, and there's a little bit of Irish. Speaking of European looking white guys, brother, welcome, uh, hey. welcome to the building. Hey, nice segue into that. Hey, Thank look you. at that segue. Classic. So we're in part two and um, of this episode. We went through a long journey on part one. And um, I feel like I, I'm able to really sum up part one in, in maybe like a 10 second clip that I was able to pull from part one. And this this pretty much sums up what we learn more than anything else from part one of the episode with Joel. Bro, I read the whole Twilight series. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, what did he like clip all these different pieces together? Yeah, so that that's what I got. From that part one. That's, you, that's pretty. That's exactly what I. Yeah, from all of that, that's what I took away. I think okay. was the most powerful thing that he said out of all of it. So, 
so fill in the blank stuff. I mean, if we missed anything from part yeah, one, please let us know. Please let us know. <laughs> I mean, I think that was, you know, the, the most important part of, you know, the man that I've grown into. But I think if we were to stretch and maybe summarize some other things, uh, you know, I think um, being someone that kind of went from uh, being homeschooled and, and just having not a lot of resources, not understanding the value of education, where it can take you all the way to failing out of college twice, uh, withdrawing once because I was failing. Um, to basically just like throwing a Hail Mary and just moving to North Carolina with no prospect of getting into to school and just sort of fighting my way in um, and then being able to get into, into medical school, you know, graduate at the top of my class, be able to speak at my graduation. Um, and, you know, in order to get into medical school, the sort of the AMC, which, you know, kind of runs the whole uh, application process has a chart. That's like uh, it basically gives you a percentage of what your likelihood is to get in based off of people before you. And it, you know, calculates your, your age, your GPA, like your, basically your past, um, your MCAT score, which is the admissions test to get into med school. And I remember looking at mine and mine was 0.003% was the, the estimated likelihood of me getting in. So uh, it was, it was, it was interesting. I'm not a gambling man. Yeah, I'm not by a numbers nature, guy. Right? But... Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the uh, the deck was stacked against you there. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the deck is stacked against a lot of people that you don't really know, right? I think we can see a lot of superficial things about someone's past or um, even their present, right? And and without knowing their story, without knowing like who they are, what they fought through, it's easy to bet against them. And I think like a real animal shows up whenever the odds are against them. You know, at point zero zero three percent, and you are willing to bet on yourself still and be like, you know, like. I don't really care what you think because I already know what I've had to go through to get here. Point zero or three percent is nothing to me at that point. Right. Yeah. And you know, as a real animal, in our opinion, Taylor Lautner. Jacob. <laughs> How did it work out that way? How did that just happen? <laughs> the audience. Taylor heard Lautner. That. Is his real name, and Jacob Black was his name in the books. I never read them all. <laughs> Uh, I hope like everyone realized that was not planned at all. Like, I don't know how you set that up. <laughs> so perfectly. We spent we spent a lot of time this morning making. Yeah, sure this has been uh, this has been the last like four and a half hours for us trying to get those together. So um, we're happy. And the fact that you just said animal, I mean, you just set it up. So it was perfect. Yeah. All right. So, so th you have a zero point zero zero three chance. There are two zeros, man. Two zeros. So that is three thousands yeah yeah wow that is it's of, of a percentage point which is i mean um you know you have a better chance of probably getting hit by lightning or something crazy yeah. like that than than what where you ended up so now take us back to the story so re, re you know rejoin the story where now you're at graduation you there's that dude there that you know you make eye contact with the little elf looking guy um, <laughs> that you're like listen you know he didn't believe in you but he was someone that helped you believe in yourself you're like i'm gonna prove this mf are wrong because i'm you know no one's gonna get in the way of me finishing the race um so your graduation day there's a lot going on on that day so bring us back to that point in your life yeah yeah i mean this is this is probably like the highest moment i've ever had you know in my life at that point where it was just like the culmination of all of that work all of the the grinding and, and sort of just like you had kind of aptly put like gambling on on yourself um 
kind of came to its peak there, right? So I get I, I get the graduation day, and you know, not only did I never match myself graduating college previously, but now I'm you know at the top of my class, I'm winning these like awards that are like very prestigious for where I'm at. I get to speak at my graduation, like people are gonna sit there and listen to me talk. And, like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I also was getting married on that day, right? So, like, on one day, it's, like, all these massive life achievements are happening. And it's just, like, I, I, I mean, I remember in that moment, I was, like, this is, like, I made it now, right? Like, I did all the things I had to do. And I've already overcome them. And now I just get to enjoy, yep. you know, being where I'm at, getting married, going off to medical school, you know, being at the top of uh, what I, you know, what I str- was striving for as far as academic achievement. I feel like I had reached the top level. So, it was, you know, it was a, an incredible moment, an incredible feeling. And you mentioned to us the last time that I believe it was your uncle. It was a family member that cautioned you about the roller coaster of life. You know, you might feel like you're on top at certain points in life, but you never know what's around the corner. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, understand that part of it. And so now you're entering medical school um, to bring us to that point in life, understanding that you just came off of this high and you think, all right, um, it's smooth sailing, but there was a couple things ahead of you that you had no idea were was on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. Uh, so it was like my best friend's dad, right? So it was like almost like family, and he kind of told me that. I was like, you know, you get to these moments where you're on top of the world, and it's like, you know, with my life experience, you know, like we talked about last time, it doesn't always stay that way. Um, so you have to be able to keep, you know, coming back. So that's kind of like it was, you know, it was just odd timing to hear something like that because I go into medical school and, and things are going awesome, man. I start my first month. I came out firing and it was just like it had been at ECU where I'm getting tests back and I'm getting hundreds and like people are starting to really struggle around me. And I was like, I was literally like, I've literally trained for this now. Like this intensity feels like nothing because I worked full time and I did double degree. And like, so like this is now like people are giving me money to be here you know i'm getting scholarship money and you know obviously still have to pay for stuff but like you're you're now in a position where like i didn't have to work at all i just focused on school and so i was like this is like this is it and like i'm here i'm, I'm like i i work to get here and so i'm like i'm coming out i'm crushing it um and i think you know you know before we get into the rest of the story one of the things that like i had set myself up for there was that um you know, after going through everything that you go through, you want to come out of that learning something. And I think, you know, what I had done to that point is I hadn't really like learned maybe the lesson I need to learn as far as like what kind of character I want to have as a man. Cause now, um, you know, I met Anthony not long after this and like, I was, dude, I was cocky as hell. Like I came, it's, it's like almost sad to think about. It's like, I, I just thought that at that point I own the world. So after everything that I went through to come out of that without humility, right. I could say all the right things. I could be like, I want to make this impact. And, but you know, at the, at the real point, like I was really feeling myself. I was like, I'm an, I'm an all-star. Like I did this thing that like people can't do. And like now look at me. And so I hadn't, you know, developed the character to be where I was at yet. And that was about to really show up, uh, with, you know, what was about to come, you know, into my life. So, uh, you know, the year's going great. I'm a couple of months in, you know, I had went to ECU originally to try to play football. I was like really invested in that. And, and so I was still in great shape, even coming into medical school, I was still obsessed with working out. And some of the upperclassmen had kind of picked up on, you know, that I was like pretty athletic and it was something, you know, I, you know, I had a lot of football experience. So 
they were like, oh, yo, we play, like, flag football, intramurals with Rutgers, like, the undergrads, and then, like, we'll play against some people that are actually on the Rutgers team. So, like, you got to come play with us. So, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I get to meet, like, older class members are, like, pulling me in. Like, this is just so cool. I'm going to get to go ball and, like, you know, show them what I can do. So, we go out there, and, you know, we're just honestly dominating at that point. We have a lot of, like, high IQ on the team, um, some good athletes, and then, like, I felt like I was just, like, it was just fun, man. So we were playing. It was great. It was a great way to end a stressful day of studying uh, and working on exams and stuff. So so we go through. We're kind of killing it. We get all the way to the championship game, and we're like, it's kind of funny because like, you have these, these like, you know, 20-year-old, like, really athletic people who are just getting absolutely murked by, like, 30-year-old dudes that sit around all day and study. And uh, so, you know, we're just kind of loving that. Um, so we get into the end of the game. We're about to win, right? And so we're playing some guys that actually played for the Rutgers. They're, like, on the Rutgers scout team. That was even their team name. Um, so they're, their guys are pretty athletic, right? If you're on a scout team in Division One, you're still yeah, a great yeah. athlete. You're still, you know, pretty, usually pretty big body, pretty fast. So we have some guys who are about, like, similar size to me, similar speed. Uh, so we're up by a touchdown, and there's, like, I think there was, like, 20 seconds left or something. And so this is October 23rd of 2016. Um, they drop back, the quarterback drops back, and they have to basically throw Hail Marys. They have to go the whole field. So I'm back playing safety. That was one of the positions I trained really hard for. I felt really comfortable with. Um, and so this ball is hanging in the air, and I'm like, I'm going to end this game right now. Like, I'm just going to pick it off. Like, they were talking so much trash because they're on the Rutgers team. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to jump over these guys, pick this ball off, and we're going to end the game. Um, and where we were playing at was actually a, a soccer field um, that had a nice turf. And, and one of the things that I didn't realize at the time was that the lighting of soccer fields and football fields are very different. Um, on football fields, you sometimes get more horizontal lighting. It's not quite shining down on the ground as much. Uh, in soccer, you think about like seeing the ground is incredibly important. You get a little bit more of an extreme angle. And as I was going to make that play, I... I felt that. So I, I go to get the ball and all of a sudden I have this light angle down directly in my eyes and I can't see anything. So I'm just running as fast as I can. I go to jump, can't see anything. And at the same time, a guy that was literally my exact size and another guy coming behind me were all collapsing on the same area. So I jump up and then I realize I can't see the ball. So I didn't really go up to protect myself. I didn't lift my arms up. I was kind of trying to figure out where I was at. And as I was in the air, the guy that was my size coming full swing B from the right, the right side, he could see, and he went up. And I don't really know because I don't have a great memory of it, but either his shoulder or his elbow just collided with my right temple. And immediately it was like a piece of, like, like just a thunderstorm went off in my head, and it was like ding, and everything went dark. And at the same time, that other guy also couldn't really see well. He clipped my legs, and so I'm as high as I can be in the air, get knocked out mid-air and then someone takes my legs out so i basically flip over hit the ground and just whiplash the back of my head right into this like pretty hard ground uh and then i i just like was completely out um so i don't know how long exactly i was out but i remember opening my eyes and my teammates were like yo like we're about to win Are you okay Are you okay and i was like yeah i'm good i get up uh, I try to, like, move back to safety, and I, like, can't – I can barely stand up. I start tripping over myself. I'm, like, falling. I don't have any coordination. Um, and it was just, like – it was, like, a really weird feeling. Um, I don't know if you guys are, like, big football guys, but uh, Patrick Mahomes, when they were playing the Browns, he yeah. got tackled, right? Yeah. And you remember how yeah. weird that felt, that moment where he, like, tried to stand up and just started falling? That was, like, me. Yeah. Um, that was what I was experiencing. So, you know – the game ended and kind of pulled out. We had won the championship. My team's taking pictures. There are photos of me from that night. I don't even remember. Um, so we, you know, get me to the hospital to figure out what's going on. 
and in the moment they're like you know it's like concussion i have had some in the past before um it's not that big of a deal they're like just go home rest kind of like isolate yourself don't do anything crazy you'll be fine um so i'm like all right so i get i get home i just go straight to bed i'm not really thinking that much not really looking at that much things were kind of like really disorienting to me so um no didn't really get a lot of a chance to assess what what was going on around me um and so the next day i woke up and it was like all right like I was kind of chill today, right? It's a concussion. You just kind of take a little bit of day off, maybe take a week off of school. So I, I get up, and I don't have a clock around me, so I can't. I don't really know what time it is. Um, but I wake up, I go to get in the shower. Um, I get in the shower, and I go to grab off shampoo. And as I pick it up, I realize, like, it just kind of, like, everything in me just completely froze for a second. And I realized that, like, even though I felt disoriented, I thought I was kind of okay, but I, like, could not read a single word that was on the shampoo bottle. It was, like... Um, I was probably head and shoulder or something. I tried to read it, and it was like I couldn't see the words at all. And so I like I'm looking around, trying to figure out what's happening. And on a large scale, I can see like I'm in the bathroom. Like I can I can see things. That every time I tried to read, I just I couldn't do it. It was like someone put the actual sun in my eyes when I was trying to read. Like someone was just shining light, um, and my brain was just like not processing these words at all. Um, so now I'm starting to panic, right? Like, you know, as, as a medical student, your eyes are incredibly important, like the ability to read. And, and I'm like, yo, like we clearly must have missed something. Don't know what's going on. Um, so I, I go, you know, I call a doctor. It's like a little medical group. That's part of Rutgers. And I like rush in and their sports med com- person comes in and they're like, you know, okay, you definitely have a concussion. This is kind of like a weird, like procedural, like it's a weird, a weird presentation of this. We haven't seen this, but like, we think you're okay. Like you're probably not like you know, it'll, it'll be fine. Just give it a week. And they basically like sent me home and they're like, just sit in the dark for like a whole week. Um, don't be around like light and then it'll be fine. Um, you know, as a first year medical student, like you want to think like, Oh, I know more stuff than this, but you don't really, you know, you haven't learned anything yet. So I just kind of went with that advice and I went home, you know, sat in the dark, tried to do those things. And, and as that was happening, like this started progressively getting worse. Um, Things started, I started having even a harder time seeing on a bigger scale. Things looked really reflective to me. Things were really bright to me. Like any sound was just like devastating to me. Um, when I would move, I would feel like I was going to throw up. So it just started getting kind of worse and worse. So, you know, a week later, um, I'm back in the doctor's office like, yo, like what is going on? And my school is also like, what's going on? Are you coming back? Or are you not coming back? Um, so kind of nobody knows what's going on. And, and I think one of the, you know, I'm a huge fan. I obviously love the medical system. I'm part of it. Um, one of the deficiencies I would say is that when you're in a medical institution like this, sometimes you're working with people that are still in training. Um, so at the time I didn't realize, but my physician was actually a resident, which is awesome. Like they trained their whole life to be there, but they still hadn't seen super complex stuff yet. And so they were kind of giving me this guidance based off of like a statistical likelihood that a person has a concussion, whatever. So they're still kind of telling me like, you're fine, you're fine. Um, just go home. Uh, and so I start to kind of like push back a little bit and I'm like, I got to find a way to like get, get an appointment somewhere, get in with a neurologist that like actually has seen this stuff before, but I'm having a really hard time because I can't read, I can't use my phone at all. And then my, uh, my wife at the time, so my ex-wife now was like, as she was in PT school, so she was never like, she wasn't really able to be around. So I'm basically trying to scramble, find ways to get somebody to see me to figure out what's going on. So it kind of was like a month of this, man, where it was just like I couldn't read. I could barely see. I felt sick all the time. I felt like I was going to throw up all the time. 
Um, and then finally, after a month, I kind of got in with a neurologist and they're like, like, why haven't they imaged you? Like, why has no one done an MRI? Like, this isn't a concussion. This is like an actual traumatic brain injury. And like, we don't know how this is progressing and we're worried about, you know, what's going to happen next. Um, so we kind of went through the process of just figuring out what was going on and they're like, you know, where you have like this injury in your brain is a higher order functioning area, which is, is kind of like a neurologist term for like, we don't really know. Like there are areas of the brain we still don't understand yet. It's kind of like the final frontier of the body, right? There's so much stuff we know, but there are these centers in the brain that are like higher order processing centers and mine was like damaged and we don't know exactly how that's going to manifest. So no one's able to give me a plan and, and kind of, you know, I started to face this this likelihood that like after everything I had kind of worked to to get to med school, this like absolute high, like now, like it's all starting to just disappear, right? My dream of being there and finishing is, is all is all getting pulled away from me and I'm like scrambling. I have no idea like how to get it back. So I went to talk to my school and I was just basically like, look, here's what the doctor says. Um here's what all the testing is showing. Like they said, I need to take a full year off, try to do a bunch of rehab, see if I can come back. And so they were really gracious. You know, they gave me the time off. It was very easy. Um, they're like, you know, your spot safe. You can come back next year. You'll be good to go. So I start kind of trying to go through the process of what I need to do, do some visual rehab, which at first literally just consisted of a post-it note on the wall that had an X on it. And I literally was just supposed to try to turn my head and look at it without throwing up. <laughs> which is crazy um so you know I'm, I'm working on all of that and then uh in the meantime uh my body just starts like turning on me and in ways that like we didn't expect so all of a sudden i started having this like heart issue where my heart was like going out of rhythm and would like stop for a second and i would like it felt like everything in me just like i'd be walking and all of a sudden i would be frozen in time and it's like my heart would literally like go out of, of rhythm and just like stop and then re-kick up so I would like freeze and then I'd be like okay um, so I had to go see a cardiologist and like we don't know why this is happening like your heart seems like it should be fine so I'm going home strapped with like this monitor to record my heart for like two whole weeks and then I'm getting sent home with a vest that's supposed to shock me back to life if I just like my heart suddenly starts beating right so it was it just started to get wild where it's like I have no idea what to expect. Like a month later, all of a sudden, I had like I went into like acute kidney failure, like this like kidney injury where like I had all this pain. I went in and they're like your kidneys are like you're like have this acute kidney injury. Like did you get hit? What happened? And I was like no, I've been sitting at home. Um, so kind of nobody knows what is going on in my body, and I'm like I'm like scrambling trying to find some sort of solution, and I'm not getting better at all. Things are just kind of getting worse. Um, and, and in the meantime, you know, when all that's happening, I'm still spending so much time just like sitting alone, right? So you're also facing like the, the the very real mental component of this, right? Of feeling like all your dreams are getting taken away, that like your body is turning against you, you can't read, your heart can stop at any moment, you have like this sudden kidney problem and you're just like, I have no idea if I'm going to be alive for very long or if I'm not. And when I would talk to my doctors, they kind of told me the same thing. They're like, you know, like, sometimes you come in you're stable it's okay and then you go home and the next thing you know like your heart is like not working so um it just became this like really crazy thing where like my body was just like panicking and like my brain body connection were not working together and, and my body was trying to respond to my brain trying to heal um so you know you know fast forwarding a little bit you know i just kept doing rehab i kept trying to you know do what i didn't need to do to feel better 
Um, it took about nine months before I could start to like really like feel pretty comfortable reading again. You know, I graduated a little bit from looking at a wall and moving my head to an X to maybe now there's an X and an O and that'll go up and down and then there's an X, O and another X and I'd be like doing triangles. And, uh, you know, started to feel a little bit better. And so, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year where it's time for me to basically have to go back to school. I only could take this one year. You can you can lose your spot or, um, you know, you can lose your financial status where you have to start paying back all your loans. And, you know, for me, you know, I told you I had to work so much during undergrad. Like I had also had to take a ton of loans that weren't possible to even be where I was and I had no income. So if those loans came due, that was it for me, right? The only way for me to have paid them would have been to try to drop out, get a job while I'm in the middle of this brain, you know, this brain issue. Um, so I'm like, I have to go back because I don't want to lose my seat. I don't want to be in a situation where I just financially can't um, like pay for my loans and I can't make it back anyway. So I basically, you know, I talked to my, uh, my I had like a physical therapist that specialized in brain injuries that was working with me on rehab. Um, and, and she was like, you know, I think we can try to make it back uh, so you can kind of keep your seat. And I, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty excited, right? I never thought I was going to make it back, but also just still felt like garbage, right? Like I, I still felt like I couldn't see things clearly. I still felt real foggy. I still felt like things were really, you know, kind of bright, but I didn't want to lose my spot. So I went back. Um, I had to do a couple tests, you know, to make sure like to be able to kind of stay enrolled. So I, I go back and, and I'm pretty excited and I get through, like I passed them, you know, like actually I felt, I didn't feel good while I was studying. I wasn't doing as good as I used to do. Um, but I had felt okay, you know, it was like, you know, I might be able to make it, you know, I'm a little sick, but I can kind of, I can kind of power through. Um, so I'm starting to feel like, you know, maybe I'm coming towards the end of this, this crazy situation. Um, and like right when I had gone back, I was, I was getting ready to take my first test. And that's when I found out that like my, in the meantime, you know, while I was spending so much time trying to get better, trying to figure out what was going on with my brain, with my body, um, my like personal life was like completely falling apart like everything I had kind of worked to build, getting married, all those things, just like it was, you know, it was not surviving this issue at all. And so I found out, you know, I started to, to realize that there was a lot going on um, behind the scenes that like I didn't realize, you know, and that like my, like all the work I was doing to try to come back to school, like even though I made it back, you know, I was going, I was, my, my life was still like going to explode. So you know, I, I kind of, I mean, my way back, I start trying to take tests. I start trying to stay enrolled in it. And now all of a sudden I'm facing like basically getting divorced in the middle of this. Um, I was trying to work out more and, and feel like I, you know, didn't have to live like afraid. Right. And you get an injury like that. One of the main things you see when people come back is like, how does that affect their life? Are they afraid to live? Um, and I didn't want that. So I was like, I'm still going to kind of play some sports. It's, it's still going to be okay. Um, and so, you know, I'm going through this divorce. I, I like literally have nothing. I'm living in my brother's basement, essentially. Um, so I had worked so hard, right, to get a cool place to live. I'm married. I have like a nice house. I'm in medical school. And I kind of got there and like that, all of a sudden, like I can't read. My life is falling apart. I have nothing. I'm in a ton of debt. I'm living in my brother's basement and over an hour away from my school. And I just have nowhere to go. I have no idea what to do. Um, but so I'm out just trying to like hang out a little bit, play a little bit of basketball. Maybe I can like get some of this back, um, and, and sort of restart the way I had when I went to ECU, which was focusing on like, you know, getting discipline from the gym and, and athletics and, and use that to kind of feel like I have like a little bit of something that I can hold on to to keep moving forward. 
and I'm just like kind of playing this like really low-key not crazy game at all and just another fluke shot I got hit in the head again like hard where it just like everything went black again um and I know like hearing this story it sounds really stupid of me to even be playing right like what are you doing playing basketball but I just like you know things were getting so dark with where I was at in life with feeling like I was never going to be back to where I, I had been um, and, you know, like not having a place that was like my own home, not having, you know, this relationship that I had spent so much time investing in that I just like, you know, I was like, I don't want to live afraid. I want to be able to do something I love. So um, that second hit like started to change kind of everything for the worse. Um, and that kind of led me to what I definitely think is like the absolute darkest moment of my entire life where, you know, going through um the divorce going through this second hit where now it made my eyes even worse like i'm having trouble reading again i'm gonna have to take more time off school and just things are getting so bad that like i was in a position where like my family was literally like on watch for me to like basically end my life because like that was my own that was kind of my thought right like it sounds really extreme um and it's almost interesting because I had lived my whole life feeling like, all right, somebody that commits suicide in my, when I was younger and immature is, like, really selfish to me. I was like, I have no tolerance for this. This is ridiculous. And now it's when I find myself in this moment where I'm like, I put my whole soul on the line to be here. And with the situation completely out of my control, I just lost everything that I had spent, like, 10 years trying to build i have nothing i have nowhere to go i'm not going to make it back to school at this point my neurologist is telling me like that that second hit was it for you like i don't see how you're coming back um and so to me i was like i i worked so hard to be in a place that i didn't belong to build this life that was really never meant for me and now i have nothing from it so it's like there's no purpose in me even being here um and so I, I had to sit in that for a while, right, um, with, you know, my family being afraid of where I was going to at, with me having no ambition, no goal, because there was really nothing, you know, for me to do. Like, I didn't know how to come back. And, and again, the only way that I was trying to basically push myself to do anything was just I would still go to the gym. Um, so one day, man, I was, I was at the gym. I was sitting in the parking lot. And, you know, I had kind of battled back and forth about, like, how, like, do I live like this forever? Do I just end it? Do, what do I do? Where do I go? Um, and I, I started to think about something I hadn't thought about and really, like, thought about in really a long time, which was my dad. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the first one, but I didn't go too into it because I wanted, you know, I knew it was going to kind of come up in the second part. Um, but, you know, when I was, like, 10, 11 years old or something, he got sick with lymphoma. Um, he got misdiagnosed. He got treated for the wrong cancer for like three years. His body was shutting down. Like he knew that he was going to die. And, and every time we saw him still, like I would get to like hang out with him. He would make this sound like he just like, he didn't really do what I had been doing. Right. Like he didn't just like kind of give up, call it quits. He, he just kept showing up for his family, you know, kept showing up for my mom, for his wife, for his kids in this way that I, I didn't think about any moment where I was like, wow, like this man just like purely gave up. So I started to think about that a lot. Like, how did he do that? Like, how do you know that you're going to die? Know that your your life is, is over. All the things that you worked for, all your dreams are never coming true. How do you go from that spot and, and still have so much hope, right? And still bring so much light to the people around you. And, and how could I sit there, like, still being alive for all intents and purposes, right? Like, maybe I won't be what I thought I was going to be. Um, you know, maybe I, I don't have the life that I had dreamed of that I, I was, I worked so hard for, but like still having an opportunity to do something, how do I take that and, and stay in this really dark place and not try to find a way out of it? 
Um, so it started to really like kind of sink into my brain a little bit. And, you know, people around me were like, you know, trying to be as helpful as they could and be like, you know, don't give up, like, don't stop, don't quit. Like, you got to finish this. You got to find a way back. Um, and it sounds awesome, man. In theory, it sounds great. Like just never giving up, like, uh, being relentless and you, and you can listen to motivational speakers that are like, you just got to be an animal. You got to want it more than everyone else. But when you're in a position where like, no matter how bad I wanted something, I couldn't make myself see better, right? I couldn't make things stop moving around me. Like I would be looking at an object and it would be like things around it were just moving. And I would literally duck sometimes because I thought something was going to hit me and there was nothing there. Um, so I didn't know like really how to do that. Like, how do you go? Like when, when you, you know, when I was at ECU and I had this big obstacle, it was like, I could do something if I wanted to, right? Like I could grind harder. I could wake up earlier. I had this, you know, I had the thing on my ceiling that said, whatever it takes, like I could show up and I could do it. But now I'm in a position where I'm like, I don't have anything left. I already, I felt like I had given it all and, and I lost it all. So I didn't really know where to go with that, you know? Um, so, so, you know, I had to kind of sort of figure that out. So it's kind of when I started thinking about, you know, like this concept, this business that we have, this FTR, the nonprofit is, is I started thinking about it and it was like, you know, like everyone's telling me to, to kind of keep going, to do like what my dad had done to finish, you know, to, to never give up. And, and, and I just didn't have any energy to do that. And I started thinking about this concept of like, all right, if this was like a race, right. Cause people always used to tell me that my dad finished his race. Right. And he did that by, you know, always, you know, having hope for the future by always, you know, uh, putting other people first. And so I'm starting to think about this race and it's like, if I'm in this race to the finish, right. And I'm getting absolutely destroyed. How could I still finish if I don't feel like I could run there? If I didn't feel like I could walk there, jog, if I didn't feel like I could even move. And I was like, man, like what if like, instead of trying to be like a hero, right. And just like, grind and push through like I just did something I just literally crawled my way there I just found some way to try and get back to whatever I could possibly you know contribute to the rest of the world and it kind of hit me really hard where I realized like again I had said all of the right things I had talked about making an impact in my med school interviews but a lot of it had really just been for me about finishing this really cool story right this is kid that was going nowhere that now becomes super successful and I started to think about like, yo, what if I actually just stopped thinking about me? What if my purpose for this was beyond that was just to try to invest in other people, to try to use everything I've now gone through to actually do good, not to just say it, not to just say I want to help like populations that don't have any money and, and, and do these things that, you know, I got to lean into really heavy to get into med school, but to actually like sacrifice of myself to do that. And, and that was kind of a turning point for me where I was like, I'm going to find a way back right now. I don't have that. I don't have that gun mentality of just like grinding through, but I'm going to figure out a way to get back. So I started seeing like multiple neurologists. I see, I saw five of them. Three of them were like, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is going to work out for you. One of them was like, maybe, um, but you'll be really sick the whole time. And then one of them was like, I think that we can do this. I think if you are willing to put in the time to just keep showing up to doing rehab, that's going to be harder than what you did before. Um, I think that we can, we can get you back and it's going to be okay. Um, so man, that sparked like that hope, right? That thing that I saw in my dad all the time where I was like, yo, like there's a way out of this. And this time when I come back, I'm not coming back as like some cocky dude that overcame everything. And it's just the man, um, that can dominate. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do everything I can to like use my story to show other people that like 
not just saying like you can get through anything you can overcome everything but like we're gonna do it and we're gonna do it together and when you can't walk i'm gonna pull you and if i'm not there you're gonna learn to crawl towards the end so i just started showing up man we i got more rehab schedule i started showing up we were back to looking at the dang x moving my head to the sound of a metronome all of a sudden they start incorporating some colors in then i start looking at things while i'm walking on a treadmill i start watching videos of these black and white lines moving i'm basically retraining my brain all over again to function with a totally new view of the world because now the way i had seen the world before was different, right? My brain was never going to process visual information the same. So now I'm retraining it like from the starting point to see things again, to focus on things. And so like five days a week, man, I, we would be there. I would be there and just keep showing up and we would do this work and I would get so sick. I would throw up and I would be trying to study at home. Same thing. I'd have to take a break, go home, throw up. But I was like, this is going to be worth it because now it's not going to be worth it because I'm going to prove, you know, the Whoville guy wrong. It's not going to be worth it because people told me I was going to end up homeless or because, you know, my stepdad thought I should go to vocational school because I couldn't handle cur curriculum. It's going to be worth it because I'm going to be able to use this somehow to try and maybe save a life, to change somebody's life. Um, and so being able to hold on to that, that was like that hope that I needed to keep going, right? Um, we still didn't know where it was going to go, man. Um, but it just kept it kept progressing. And next thing I know, I'm standing on a balance, like a balance ball, and they're throwing colored objects, and I'm able to call the color out and grab it. And it just keeps progressing, and my vision starts coming back, and it starts getting sharper, and, and I start being able to focus. And my studying, I'm not throwing up as much anymore. Um, so in January of 2020, Right, right before COVID, sorry, I was able to go back to school, and unlike the first time where I went back and I was barely skating by and I felt ill and I wasn't going to be able to live up to the person that I wanted to be and my life was falling apart, now I'm going back and I showed up and I started doing better than I had done the first time, because now my drive wasn't negative motivation, right? It wasn't like I'm coming for everything you said I couldn't have. I'm going to prove you wrong. It was like I genuinely understand now like the joy of this process of, of being able to give everything you have to get somewhere because I love it because I want to use this for something. I don't want to just say it. I want to actually do it. And so um, being able to come back in, in January of 2020 and just start like I started getting like 99s, hundreds again. It was just wild. And I didn't feel the same at all. I still couldn't see things. Things are so bright to me still, even in this room, like things look so bright and, and the world does not look the same, but it, it's almost like it almost looks better to me because it made me slow down and focus on like, you know, what I, what do I really need to be seeing in this moment? Like when I'm talking to a patient, what do I really need to be able to assess? And, and so, you know, that kind of leads me up to where I am now. Like I took my first boards exam. I did very well. Um, it opened up possibility for me to do anything I want as a doctor in my future. I could go anywhere that I want. I could do anything I want. And, and so being able to be in this, this place kind of all stemmed from that dark spot where I was sitting in the parking lot of my gym, unsure of where to go of, of what my life was even going to become. Um, and that moment also led me to be able to do, you know, one of the things I'm most passionate about, right? Like we're all right now wearing FTR shirts, right? We've talked about this finish the race concept. And, and so through that pain of, of, you know, being at an actual rock bottom, you know, not just like uh, I fell out of school and, uh, you know, being at actual rock bottom where you're like, my life doesn't mean anything. I, I lost everything. And climbing back from that, I was able to kind of work with my brother to build um, FTR. So we had this concept of building this nonprofit organization where we would sell some emblem of 
of what we stood for of of like hope of perseverance of resilience um, that we could give other people that are in moments similar to what i have been in and and let them have something they could hold on to that like if no one's around to tell you like you could do it like you just look down and like oh, I remember, I remember like the purpose of, of what I'm wearing, of what I'm doing, and, and I'll find a way to make it. I just have to show up. Um, so we were able to start this nonprofit apparel company based on on some of these moments and some of the things that we learned, and and use all of the money that we make to give back uh, to people around us. To you know, we have five organizations that we support. So you know, through all of this kind of nightmare situation, it's like I felt like I was able to really grow into you know who I wanted to be as a man the impact that I wanted to have on the world um, and to kind of realize that like if you, you know, really sacrificing of yourself is not just staying up all night studying to be the best it's, it's putting yourself in a position where you're giving up to make other people around you better and that's how we kind of change lives that's how we change the world so that kind of leads me up to where I am now it's, uh, it's un- I mean unbelievable and I mentioned after the first round that you did the interview um at the end of it i said you know the story isn't didn't even really start yet you know you get through that whole entire journey that you've been through and people are going to listen to episode one and say wow i can't believe this guy was able to persevere and that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg for you that was just it really was just the beginning of the shit that you were about to encounter in your life um so there's so much there i want to um and i appreciate you you being able to tell that story in such a um a succinct yet elaborate way you know you went through a long a long period of time but you were able to you know, tie up all the loose ends so i appreciate the way you were able to weave us through that journey that you went on i want to go back to the to the injury now um you know having had concussions myself having you know my my son has had a concussion or two as a as a former principal i dealt with kids that have gone through that experience and in the moments after you know the the concussion when you say there were there were all these things that happened that you were alert and talking to people but you have no memory of those things that were going on how long was that period of time um that that you can say i remember going up for the ball seeing the lights what's the next thing that you actually remember as you recall the event (laughs) honestly the next thing i remember was i was sitting on my couch at home eating like a giant uh meal of mcdonald's chicken nuggets mcnuggets i was literally just sitting on the couch dipping them in sauce and it's like i almost feel like i couldn't even taste it i don't really know like what sensation i was experiencing but i just remember being like what like why I got why I got nuggets? <laughs> I got some nuggets. It's, 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 what was your what's your sauce? What's your uh, what's your go to? So I'm honestly like kind of a big honey mustard guy. Okay. Um, you know I've never been a huge barbecue fan. I don't know what it is, but I haven't I haven't really hit that barbecue. Um, and I think my sauce will change depending on where I'm at. But from from McDonald's, I usually go honey mustard. <laughs> so funny we could sidetrack a little bit when Joel worked. Joel like part time worked at Soulberry <laughs> for a little bit. The the gym that I was working at and. At, during this time frame when was that in the like story that was like uh, that was like the dark that was like the dark moment right so yeah. when i came to work uh in the same place that you're working so you know I, i'm sure people know like you were running a gym um basically and, and my brother was one of the owners of the companies and he kind of like was trying to give me like help basically yeah um because you know when i was not able to go back to school when i'm living in like the you know downstairs of my brother's house i also found out that like we were in more debt than i thought that there were like like credit cards that I didn't know were, you know, had things put on them the way that they did. And so I'm like, you know, these are all coming due. And it's not only like, am I 
visually going to get back to school. It's like, if I default on these, I won't get school loans. If you, if you don't pay these things. So I had to find a way to pay them. So Brian's like, I'm going to find something like I can help here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that, man. I know I would like show up and I would try to be like all like great, but I don't know if you remember how much water I would drink at those things, yeah. but that's yeah. because I had, I was going into this kidney failure issue where, so I'm like trying to train these kids. And I'm just, drinking yeah. literally as much water as possible try to clean my body out and keep my kidneys as healthy as possible so yeah it was right in that time where i had realized that like i was starting to have these major um visual issues again and i you know was having still like a bunch of body issues and i just like was at the bottom of like i have no idea where to go from here and that was kind of just like an opportunity that i was given to try to do literally something I didn't even realize the severity of what you've been through or what you were going through when you were there. Like, I just thought you just some fucking cocky <laughs> ASOs run around, like, bang weights around and shit. But, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. And I remember there was one time I walked in, and I was in there already, and I see you walk in. And I'm like, God, these fucking kids, man, I can't get over it. They literally had the audacity to bring McDonald's into the gym and leave it in here. <laughs> overnight i'm so fucking pissed off and i just look at him and he's got a smirk on his face he's like yeah dude that was me i'm sorry he's like i was really fucking hungry and like it's like oh god damn it i was like i was about to lay and i was about to send like an all-school email about fucking the you know importance of not eating mcdonald's and like especially amazing yeah so the, the, so the the cool thing is about you know where we've come in building men is we have all these great resources at our fingertips we we're actually able you said you didn't remember that time from the injury until you're eating the chicken nuggets mm. we were actually able to go back and pull some audio of a conversation that you had t- during that time i actually have um a quick audio clip that i think the audience will enjoy about a conversation that you had with your friend jacob jacob which your clip now this may seem strange really strange but stranger things happen every day do you remember that conversation? Wow, I can't believe place. that. Do you have Can you walk clothes? us through that, or was that is that a faded memory? Do you not? Yeah. Why, why did Jacob have his clothes off? <laughs> and were your clothes off? Yeah. I think it has something to do with hypothermia. If I remember correctly, it was very cold. We were just trying to save one another. As many organs as you could harvest right? and hold on to. I already had this brain issue and the heart issue and the kidney issue. It was like, we really had to combine warmth, I think, if I was guessing. I don't know. Oh, that's so good. So, um, yeah, it was part I was like, how do I... How do I weave that, that, that into was, this? That was perfect. With this unbelievable story, I was like, how do I get, uh, you know, Taylor Lautner, <laughs> yeah. that cor- correctly, into, you know, where is he's getting <laughs> put his clothes back on. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the reason why I was asking that question, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, the, the time span that happens when you, you don't recall something that occurs, conversations that you're having. I remember I had a concussion when I was in, like, seventh grade, and, I you know, I was it was a chicken fight in someone's basement, and I was on someone's shoulders, and I fell and hit my head on a concrete floor, and I was out, and I just remember when I finally came to, they're like, you've been asking us the same thing for the last, like, five hours, and I have no recollection of that time that passed, wow. and I was like... I wonder what it was like when you have such a significant injury. So you had all these pictures taken afterwards, and then, you know, finally you're at, you're at home, and that was the first thing that you remember. You said that, you know, you were misdiagnosed, or they didn't recognize the severity of it. 
if you would have received the proper treatment at that time, you know, like now with your um, expertise in the medical field, could there have been any, anything different in your, the trajectory of, of your care? Like, could that have been a little bit different if you received the, the proper diagnosis immediately there? So I think, to be honest, I think that um, the trajectory would have been similar. I think, you know, some of the, the process, the extremities may have been a little bit better. I think that, you know, I like was still trying to push myself to get back uh, and i think that like because they're like oh you'll be okay like just do some light studying but i like can't even read so i'm trying to look at stuff and i was basically fatiguing my brain more as far as like the damage that was done i think that that was already done i think it could have just gone a long way for you know the mental aspect of, of understanding what's going on i think that one of the things you see you know and i even see it today is, is someone like us comes in uh, and if it's a brain issue and, and you're not like like completely knocked out um and it's visual as much as mine is is that you look healthy right like you come in you look fine yeah. you know my blood pressure is okay like everything seems okay so it's just like oh like i've experienced in concussions i've seen this a million times just go home you're fine um so i think the the hardest part was really just having to push so hard to get someone to like actually hear me and then to be like oh wait hold on like this is not, this is, this is bad. This is not like, you're not okay. Like, this is not a good thing. And we got to figure out, like, there were times where, like, I had, I remember I was calling my brother and, like, he literally just, like, stopped believing in it anymore because I had gotten told so many different times I was going to die at some point in the near future that, like, he was like, I don't even believe this. Like, you've heard this literally seven times already. And that's just, like, what I kept hearing because, like, people didn't know. They're like, is this degenerative? Is it going to get worse? So, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that it really would have made as big of a difference in my trajectory but i do think it would have it would have helped me to have a better understanding you know of what was going on and in that moment so you're after you you go through the in initial diagnosis before that second injury playing basketball um the period of time that that goes by where you're like okay i need to do this rehab you're focusing on getting back into school and in that time you're you're hyper focused on what you need to do what's in front of you the next steps like ne that was a, always a thing for you like all right if i can just get here I, I can just get here but at the meantime like there's all these other things that are going on in your life right especially a relationship that now right. takes the back seat what do you think was the most challenging part you know through that time you know as you're sitting in fast forward to you're sitting in your car and you said i don't even know why i'm fucking here anymore was it the, the physical things that you were going through, you know, with the, with the injury, was it the, the mental aspect of like, okay, I'm missing school and how am I going to get back into it? Was it the, the emotional or the relationship thing? Like my life is falling apart here, or is it the spiritual thing? Like what, what is it all about? Why am I here? Like in building men, we say mental, spiritual, emotional, physical, yeah. all those things working together. Everything. You, almost, you lost all of those in that time. moment yeah. there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that, first of all, that's an awesome question. Uh, and I think it's a, it gives a great topic to talk about. I think, to be honest, I, I think that there was there was a spiritual component. Like, I think the relationship part was very heavy. I think that the, facing the, the fact that this dream of mine, this, like, story that I thought was going to be so cool was just not. Like, because to me, it wasn't worth it if it all meant nothing, if I, if I couldn't finish. But I think the spiritual part of, of when the first, you know, injury happened, I had leaned really heavy. So, you know, we, I grew up in pretty, a pretty religious household. Um, parents are both Christian. It's very important to them. Uh, never really as important to me. But, I, you know, I had the experience there. And so I remember that there were times where... I realized like what was happening in, in my life, like with my, with my eyes. And I was trying to, you know, use that to grow. And I would be like, I remember I would pray. I'd be like, God, like, you know, 
just show me what I'm supposed to get out of this. There's something here for me. I'm gonna, it's gonna work. It's gonna work out. There's something here for me, right? So like, make sure that I know how to get this. And then, and then seeing that like I, I wasn't getting it. Things were just getting worse. And I remember one night, dude, like I was sitting in my like little office room, and I, I was again, I was about to take my first test from coming back. I'm sitting in my office, and I had realized that like my marriage was over. Like I realized what was kind of happening. I realized like this was not gonna. Be, and I remember praying, dude. I was like, God, like just not this. Like I already lost everything. Like, and it's not like a pity party, man. Like, I know, like, stuff happens to people, but I was just like, I was just like, I remember just like talking to God. I mean, like, I, I already lost everything, right? I'm never going to be the man that I thought I was going to be. I'm never going to be the same. And I was like, just not this, though. Like, like, not, I don't, I like, not this, like, anything but this. And, and, and sure enough, it just kept, <laughs> kept going. And so I remember the spirit, having to face the, face the spiritual aspect of like literally being in a position where I felt like I was calling out and just like begging like god or whatever you know man just to like just get, don't take one more thing just let me like have something so i can come back and, and facing the reality of like you know that's not always how things work like you you can grind as hard as you can you can work as hard as you can sometimes things are going to be out of your control and it's not to say that i didn't play any role in things going bad right i was very focused on recovery i wasn't doing a great job as a husband i already know that um but the i think the the spiritual aspect of being like what this is for nothing like my whole life is literally for nothing my mom put like her name on my loans they could take her house and i'm never going to be like like all of the the investment people put in me, all the sacrifices people made to help me get there, is literally for nothing. And now, like I'm here, and there's nowhere for me to go. And people are telling me there's nowhere to go. So, I think that spiritual aspect of you know, as far as like you know, FTR is concerned, I'm the huge hope portion, right? We have a whole line of clothes. Yeah, sure, you're wearing one of the shirts right now. It's the hope line, and and I am too. And you know, it's it's that was the big thing for me to feel like you lost hope to me is the darkest place a human being can be right because you can't see forward anymore um and we talked about this in my in the first part right it's like you know when someone told me i couldn't get in med school i didn't care because i could see it right like you can't tell me i'm not going i literally can see myself walking in the doors and i think what was so hard about the the spiritual component of that time is with no hope i couldn't see it anymore man like i I remember I was talking to my wife about this on our drive to North Carolina. We went on vacation a couple weeks ago, and, like, I, like, never – I'm just not a big crier, dude. I started tearing up even talking about, like, remembering what it felt like to not be able to see it. I couldn't see myself coming back. I couldn't see things turning around, and there was literally no hope there. Um, so I think that was the hardest. And I think, you know, even when I drive today, I have this piece of metal that's around my steering wheel, and it says, there is hope. Uh, it was something my mom actually gave me in, in that time, and I just, like – you know, that's why I kind of love these reminders. Like, even though sometimes they seem cheesy, like to wear a shirt that says hope or to have a thing on your steering wheel that says there's hope. But like after facing a time where you just don't believe it, to have some little reminder that like, nah, man, they're like, there is hope out there um, can go so such a long way in, in helping you get back from from that spire. And so I would say probably the spiritual component was really hard. And that I was thinking about uh, like when you were saying you were looking and like to God for answers and asking questions and things like that. And it was almost like, it was like, you haven't learned enough yet. Right. Because if mm -hmm. you think about the story, it's like all of that needed to happen in order for you to understand your true purpose. Like, like I'm sure at this point it was, you know, obviously the hardest thing you've ever been to, but, or been through, but like, 
looking where you came to, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't change things because of how much it opened up your eyes yeah. to everything around you. And it's like, maybe you didn't learn the lesson yet. And that's why all this shit also needed to go wrong and everything else needed to happen. And it all really needed to crumble on you for you to be like, shit, this is why I'm here. You know, it's not to just prove people wrong. It's to give them hope. It's to show them that I'm here to help and I'm here to get them through it. You know, I'm that, that proof that this is possible. Yeah, man. I think that's one of the number one questions I actually get. Uh, you know, I'm just talking to different people. Even like I did like a little like mock interview at my school, you know, because residency is coming up. And, and it's just like, would you change it? Like, be really honest. Be completely honest. Like, would you change it? And, you know, that puts you in a really hard spot. Because at your core, like selfishness and self-preservation, you're like, would I change it? Like, would I want to be, feel as great as I used to feel? Mm. Or I, I feel like I could see the world a certain way and I, I was just like, you know, dominating the field that I was in. It's, it seems really appealing. But when you start to think about it, it's like, would I change it? I wouldn't because like what you said was like, it, like that hit the nail on the head is, and it's something I talk about all the time is the difference between a transient impact and a generational impact, right? And, and it's like, if I changed it, that would have a temporary impact, right? I would have been great again. I would have been this like rock star that overcame everything and and, and did it himself and pushed and grinded and, and I could be like a like a YouTube speaker, man, and just be like, just wake up at three and not. There's nothing wrong with that, but right. like I'm saying, like like I could push that and that would make a great temporary impact. But if I change that, like what what about my genera generational impact? What about the legacy that I want to leave as a human being, following up with the legacy that my dad left me? So if I change that, I would give that up. Because as you said, I wouldn't have learned that like, you know, these moments weren't an example of me crushing it, right? I was getting my ass kicked. It was an example of like, like having this bigger purpose, having hope, having other people give you hope. And when you can't even crawl, letting someone pull you, right? My brother did that for me, dude. Like he literally saved my entire life, you know, like putting his own life in peril to like have his brother move in with him. Like that's not an easy thing for a family to have. Like, and like, so now when people are like, this is so incredible, how'd you do it? I'll be like, I didn't do it. Like I did some of it, but I learned the value of what you can be if you're willing to really sacrifice of yourself like my brother did and, and give Mickey your life hard to give somebody a, a shot. And that's like what it's all about for me now. I think about just the, having the the courage and being vulnerable enough to go through your story and say, when I came back from it the first time, it was about you. It was about you proving to yourself, to the world. Um, you know, it was this, there was a level of extrinsic motivation. You wanted to look a certain way. You have the, the emblem on your chest, like, this is me. I'm fucking Superman. I was able to do it. And then being in the moment where you had to kind of, get to that b bottom point where there were probably so many times where you thought you were at that below and you never really got to the bottom point for you to realize it, it's for you to climb out it needs to be about others and and serving others and the world around you rather than about you that's a deep journey that you went on there and i like i just appreciate your willingness to even verbalize that that's a it's got to be a tough thing to to come to that realization and to, to share that story with everyone else Thanks, man. Yeah, I think it's a hard thing to face, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to look in the mirror and be like, yo, I'm so selfish, right? All the things I've gone through, and this is what I come out with it. This is what I've come out learning. Um, and I had to do that, man. I had to I had to be accountable for, you know, what I was doing, who I was being, who I was coming out of this as. And instead of living my life as like, this is going to be a cool movie, it's like, what if other people get cool movies? And it's literally just because, like, we got a chance to chat.
So like when I think about who I want to impact, it's not somebody that still has a push left, right? That can give extra, that can grind, that can that can work all day. I want to talk to the person that like has nothing left. And it's like, I literally don't know where to go. Um, and like, that's, that's the type of person I want to be able to talk to because I, I so clearly remember that. Um, and, and to be able to face like a real honest conversation with yourself about like, this is where I'm going. And I remember talking to my brother. I was like, dude, who am I? Like, this is who I'm going to be. Like, I'm going to be this guy. Like, this is like, that's not who I thought I was going to be. And then it, then it starts to open up the conversation of like, wait, why aren't you who you thought you were going to be? Okay, so like, how do you how do you become that person, right. um, and you and you can start moving from there. It's I mean it's it's the ultimate story of perseverance. This whole entire thing, and then perseverance with a significant mindset mind shift in the middle of the story. You know, uh, the 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 reason for the motivation behind the perseverance changed halfway through your story, and it's uh, it it really is remarkable where you know how you wove that from part one to part two of this story. Yeah. It's it's really an, an, an amazing journey that you've been on. And I want to just give you an opportunity to talk to us a little bit more about Finish the Race. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's something that's near and dear to our hearts as you know, we're able to partner with Finish the Race. And and initially, we were like, you know, we'd love to be able to get our, our Building Men logo and brand out there. Um, but again, it, it didn't happen for a reason it didn't happen because we needed to meet you guys to, to connect with you guys because it, it, your mission totally aligns with what we're about here so talk to us a little bit more about what like how can we find finish the race what is it about what are you do, what are you doing with with finish the race what is your mission moving forward yeah, yeah. Or like the future too like yeah. maybe where you see it going absolutely absolutely uh yeah so you know we kind of talked a little about the concept of how it got started it was just you know me trying to find a way to to make you know, to put action into my words, right? So I now have said, like, I had this life-changing experience. I, I want to give back. And now how can I do that? And I, I kind of looked into a bunch of things, but it wasn't really where I was passionate about because, you know, it wasn't that concept that I wanted to really lean into, like, giving people an opportunity to, like, give them hope, show them what perseverance looks like, but also let them invest in the world around them so that we're constantly bringing other people with us, right? We're not just changing the, the, the perspective or uh, helping someone through it by the shirt they're wearing they're then using their own money the this emblem that they're wearing to give themselves hope to also bring other organizations up um so you know that's what we're about so what we're doing is you know i kind of summarize it i like to reference like some motivational speakers i've listened to yeah. in my time uh, but i was talking to somebody at my school and they were like all right like like explain this to me like give me a real a real deal like and and they were really into like listening to motivational speakers they're like you love david goggins who's like just yeah. he's a crazy man I, I mean honestly there were times where i liked him like there's a place for him i love what he's about but so i was talking to him i was like you know like if i were to summarize ftr in a way that relates to you and, and thinking about speakers i would think about um you know will smith on the treadmill where he i don't know if you're familiar but he has this thing where he's like i will die before i get off the treadmill you will not beat me and i was like that's what i want ftr to be but it's not that i'm gonna die before i get off the treadmill because you won't beat me it's that i'm not getting off the treadmill until you've gotten where you want to be too so i'm not stopping before you because i'm coming with you and we're doing this together and that's what we want to do with ftr is is use our gear our message um as a someone to really run with other people to not be about me being better than you or me being able to persevere harder than you to be about like yo i'm with you like i'm coming with you i'm not stopping until you get where you need to be either because we're not competing we're here to be great together because you promised yourself you were going to be 
be great just the same way I promised myself I was going to be great. Um, and so FTR is just an opportunity for us to to stand on that message, to put you know these emblems on our chest and to send free shirts to people that are in this dark moments and to use all of our money to reinvest in you know bringing other people around us up so our future you know man i remember when you reached out to me i had talked to a bunch of people at random times you know i mean even as building men you probably had random people reach out to you on instagram and, yeah. and you look at it and you kind of look at what they're about and you're just like you know i don't know i don't know i don't know um, but when I listen to your guys' stuff, right, and, you know, I know Anthony, we've, like, dicked around a little bit, like, at, when we work together, and, and um, but I got moments where I got to see, like, a little bit deeper dive into what he is, right, and then I started listening to you talk, and I was like, these, these are dudes that have the mindset of wanting to make a generational impact, right, that's what they're investing in, just like we do, so, you know, our future is to, to keep aligning with people like you guys that, that want to make this generational impact to grow and expand our reach, and as we do that, you know, we're going to start investing more in um, the type of products that we have, like making them more accessible, uh, maybe changing up our supplier a little bit where we can get things to people faster when they're in need and and kind of go from there. And so, you know, our goal is to just keep growing, whether it's slow or whether it's fast, whether we explode overnight and we have a million people shopping or we have three, like doesn't matter because like we're never going away. Like this, this mission is something that's going to be here, you know, for as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep keep it going to just you know if you can impact one person you could change that literally everything so our future is to just keep investing in you know helping other people on their journey keep showing them what they can do with their purchase with the gear that they're wearing and hopefully to get people to just like start sending other people shirts man i think we've had yeah. a couple of people like text me or dm me on instagram like hey i just want to send this person something and you know sometimes we're able to do it ourselves like for free because we have a little bit of our you know uh, money that was given to us to do that and sometimes we can't they're like i oh, know i'm gonna pay for it. i just want to send them something yeah. so it's it's amazing that you're able to to go about doing that and to finish the race um you know your mission tell us where you know it's a non-profit tell us where the, the proceeds are going yeah absolutely so you know we uh this is where i like i always have to give a shout out to my brother for this because you know when i was sitting in the parking lot and I had the idea for finish the race. I was drawing the worst designs ever on a notepad. I didn't know where to go. I was going to do one mass order with like all my friends or whatever that wanted to participate and would just donate it somewhere. And he kind of like, he has his business mind. And he was like, you know, what if like you made this like an actual thing? Like I love the idea. I want to be on board. So he registered us as an official nonprofit. Um, and then we started to look at like, okay, like what do we do with our, our money? Like we could come up with our own foundation or something that people could give to and that would be cool but i was like you know being in finishing medical school and like brian having his career is like is that really our best thing or can we use our ability you know and our uh finances as a nonprofit to help these other organizations so we started thinking about like what if we were a nonprofit that instead of starting our own foundation we started investing in these other well-established programs or even programs that aren't well-established and brought them along with us right that's the whole concept of what we're going for so we picked five um, you know, some of them are personal to me and then some of them is just, you know, something that we really want to kind of, um, support and believe in. So, you know, we picked the lymphoma research society. Um, I picked them. They're not the biggest, um, nonprofit for like lymphoma leukemia. That's like the lymphoma leukemia society, but we picked them because a hundred percent of their proceeds go to just research to curing leukemia and lymphoma. Um, and I think that that's like something that's important to fund because that's, that's a way that you could literally eradicate a disease. Uh, and I like their message. I like what they stand for. Their Instagram is awesome. Uh, we also support the brain trauma 
Foundation. That one obviously is very personal to me. Um, they put a lot of research in helping people like me recover and understanding things like my injury where like one person tells me I'm never coming back to school and then another person's like, I think you can do it, but it's going to suck. And now I'm back like doing better than ever. So to be able to get more research and more understanding so that people don't have to hear that their life is over if it's not. Um, and then we support the Special Olympics. I think that's something that's really cool because, you know, I love athletics. Um, and, and you want to hear stories of perseverance is like talk to some of those athletes. Uh, so they were, you know, really important group. Uh, we're also support the Equal Justice Society. I think that I had a really big awakening, um, you know, in 2020. There's obviously a lot going on in the world. I'm sure you guys are familiar, um, you know, after the George Floyd situation. And people feel one way or another like that's, you know. That's that's their thing, but I think I had a I had my eyes open because you know I grew up like I'm super white, and I always like was frustrated when people would talk about like privilege or whatever because like my life sucked, man. Like, uh, but you know, being married to my wife, she's fifty percent uh, Puerto Rican, fifty percent Egyptian. She kind of got to talk to me a lot about like you know some of the differences that there might be, and I had this uh, this like awakening of like, yo, man, like there are groups of people that need our help like across the board and when we want to make sure we're we're able to give people opportunity to support like any population that needs our help and so i love the equal justice society because they're putting a lot of money and making sure that people just aren't going to jail for the wrong reason right you hear stories about someone that was incarcerated for 40 years and then they find out they didn't have anything to do with it um so that's one and then the last one is called seeds of hope it's a it's a, actually a church-based ministry out of Camden, um, and they basically are, like, clothing homeless, and they have, like, an embattered women's shelter for, like, uh, you know, women that were in sex slavery or have drug addiction that are trying to get out, uh, making sure that they have clothes and food, and they do, like, breakfast all the time. So it's, like, a really good organization as far as, like, you know, again, they're reaching a population that needs help, and so we want to be able to help them, too. It's amazing. It's yeah, absolutely amazing. I love that. Um, so Joel, any, any final words, um, here for us? Yeah, man, I, I guess. <laughs> Wait, I didn't hear you, Joel. Like, I read the whole Twilight you. Okay, we get it. I read the whole Twilight to It's enough. It's, it's enough. I, I did read the whole Twilight series. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Dude, I remember I was watching the final like movie. Or I guess it was the first part of the last one in the movie theater because that's you know how I roll. And they did like this scene that was like a dream, and I was like, "That's not what happened." And then all of a sudden they like backtracked, and I was like, "All right." And then I realized maybe I should like sh- go like lift some weights or yeah, something. Do something to counteract <laughs> what you just did. Yeah. Um, but I I love. I love the idea of that you being like one person being successful doesn't mean someone else or you winning doesn't mean someone else needs to lose, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's such a cool message that you have yep. there. It's like, we can all uplift each other. We can all win together. Mm-hmm. If I'm going up, you're coming with me. You know what I mean? If you're down there, then I'm going to help pull you up. Like you're there to be that support for everyone else. And I just, I think that that's great. So tell us where we can find finish the race. All right, so you can uh, you can find the finish race uh, on our Instagram is the easy way. So it's FTR Apparel Inc at a. Uh or not at anywhere because it's Instagram. Uh, FTR Apparel Inc. Um, you know we're an official nonprofit, so we're an incorporation. So we kind of put that in our tag. Uh, you can also email us at uh, FTR Apparel Inc. at gmail dot com. You can always reach out to me personally, um, Joel Doc on Instagram. 
and then my email is joelocklafuzzy at gmail.com so it's you know any way that you want to get in touch like definitely reach out and again it doesn't have to be like even anything cool you don't have to buy anything if you just need to like like tell your story or or you need someone or you know somebody that just needs like help or might benefit from getting a shirt reach out and we'll see if we can send them something you know perfect anthony any last words yeah i wanted to ask joel who he would like to you know if he was gonna go out to eat with one famous person right. who would it be I, I think i have that here taylor Lauder. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how much time do you guys spend sitting down <laughs> talking about <laughs> too much time that's fantastic joel i, I love that that's a great uh, that's great mine probably wouldn't be that you know but but you know what we all, we all have our own opinions and that's great um but no that that was awesome and thank you joel we really appreciate it dude yeah. that was a great message that was a great story again we had to break it up into two parts because your story is so freaking ridiculous it's <laughs> uh that was that was powerful that was again humbling like i can't even tell you the emotions that i felt throughout that whole thing this roller coaster ride um but we really appreciate it that was awesome thanks man i appreciate you guys having me on here it was really great absolutely and so just to, to close out the episode uh find building men building dot men on instagram uh building men coach at gmail is where you can email us um, if you found any value from listening to this podcast, uh, if you could do us a favor and uh, rate and review the podcast, it, it, it goes a long way um, for getting our message out there. And now that we're a partner with Finish the Race, every post that we put out, we'll tag Finish the Race in um, and we'll continue to, to uh, promote their message. But if you can share this with anybody that you think might get value from these episodes on Building Men and rate and view, review it, it, it really goes a long way in, in helping push our message forward. Go a step further than you thought you can go. Um, thank you so much. Finish the race, Joel Glotfelty. We're going to have his brother Brian on at some point in the future, so we'll, we'll hear it from a different perspective of the, the brother having the brother in the basement. Or in, you know, we, we've <laughs> yeah. both been in that situation. Oh, yeah. so we, um, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Building Men. <laughs>